Hey guys, Joe here. This episode of Committed is brought to you by my brand new novel, The Sicilian Inheritance. This is honestly the best book that I've ever written. I love it so much. The Sicilian Inheritance is a twisty, turny family murder mystery set on the beautiful and sometimes dangerous island of Sicily. And it's incredibly personal. It's loosely based on the real-life murder of my great-great-grandmother, Lorenza Marsala. The Sicilian Inheritance comes out on April 2nd, but it is available for pre-order right now wherever you get your books. And if you pre-order and email me your receipt to joe.piazza at gmail.com or DM me at Instagram, I will give you a free lifetime subscription to our newsletter Over the Influence. We'll be posting exclusive pictures, videos, and show transcripts for the very new season of Committed coming out in February. So pre-order The Sicilian Inheritance today. I promise you it's going to be your new favorite book. And I felt the boat just fall out from underneath me. And I heard this big slap against the side of the hull. And all I can remember is just holding my head and the whole boat capsizing, going over. I went right to the cockpit to try to find Richard. And so I crawled out and I saw his safety, his line, his tether out over the side of the boat, still attached to the cleat in the cockpit. And I just pulled up on that line and he was not on the other end. In September of 1983, Tammy Oldham and Richard Sharp had just gotten engaged. That's when they set off to sail 4,000 miles across the Pacific Ocean. Only one of them made it. I'm Joe Piazza. This is Committed. The ocean has always been calling Tammy Oldham. As soon as she got her diploma from Point Loma High in San Diego, she split for the surf breaks in Mexico. Pretty soon after that, she found her way to the South Pacific, working as a crew member on a sailboat. That's how she got the sailing bug in the first place. The sailing world is small, and Tammy and Richard Sharp just kept crossing paths. He had a girlfriend, and then he didn't. And then he asked her out. He was, uh, he was tall, blonde, kind of bushy-haired, had a beard, and he was very handsome. And he was British. He had that just beautiful British accent. Sucks you right in, you know? He was funny. He had a very good sense of humor. And also, he was very loving. He was a very loving person. 
When we met each other, we had a lot in common as far as being, you know, loving, loving sailing, loving being on the water, uh, being adventurous spirits. And we just fell head over heels over each other immediately. They were living this dream life, working together, sailing together. One day on a whim, they just took off for the Marquesa Islands. If you're sitting by a computer right now, I highly recommend Google imaging the Marquesa Islands. They're beautiful and lush and green and tropical. And in the early 80s, when Tammy and Richard were sailing, they were still practically untouched by foreign tourism. We sailed through the Marquesas. I think one of my, some of my fondest memories were going through the Tuamotu atolls and just the beauty of the atolls and the diving and the just being alone on, on, you know, uninhabited little islets. It was just, you know, idyllic lifestyle and to be in love with somebody so much and being able to share sunsets, share the, the uh, adventure is just, I mean, it was just a dream come true for me. They decided to take a break from their pleasure sailing to take a job. It was delivering a 44-foot yacht called the Hazana from Tahiti to San Diego. The boat had to be there by Thanksgiving. I know you'd done it before, but it's such a long sail. Were you scared at all? Were you ever nervous when you crossed the ocean? I wasn't scared when they asked us. We were having such a wonderful time cruising through the islands, and I wanted to keep going. I wasn't really that excited about delivering the boat, and it's it's all upwind. It's not a pleasant run. <laughs> It's, uh, it's work, and that's why, you know, you get paid for it. And then, of course, you know, the, the delivery time, it wasn't the best time of year to be doing it. It was the end of the sailing season, and weather patterns were weird that year. And yet, a 4,000-mile journey for two young lovebirds was also exciting, and the money was really tempting. We decided to go for it, and because there was the, it, the money would have added nice to our cruising kitty. But before they set off, Richard proposed to Tammy in Tahiti. After dinner one night, they took a stroll to a little park, and they were just gazing out over the Polynesian islands. He was acting very nervous and odd, and he got down on one knee and said, you know, would you marry me? And he had that ring. He'd made that that um, that rope ring and, and like, macrame ring. And, and he said, um, and that's exactly what he said. He says, well, when we get to the States, I'll get you the real thing. But for right now, <laughs> this is what I, will you marry me? So that was really sweet. And of course, they said yes, because I was totally in love with him. You were young too, right? Actually, I was 23, yeah. They talked a lot about the future, but not too much. The one thing they knew is that they wanted to sail the world together before they settled down. And then... Um, he had always talked about this little boatyard that he knew of that, you know, possibly one day we could, you know, raise a family. There was a little boatyard in, in England somewhere that he wanted to, that he loved. And, you know, maybe we could settle down there. The two of them set out for San Diego on September 22nd. Their friends waved goodbye from the shore. Richard whispered to Tammy, isn't this great? His optimism was contagious. Their log entry that night read two words. Perfect day. 
The two weeks we had out there were just beautiful. You know, at that time when I was young like that, I loved ocean crossings. You just get so in tune with the weather, with the, the beautiful sunrises and sunsets. It's just, it's just magic out there. On Sunday, October 2nd, they crossed the equator. Tammy and Richard opened a bottle of wine and toasted their entrance into the Northern Hemisphere. A large pod of pilot whales leapt around their boat. Tammy wrote a single word in the logbook that night. Bliss. Then, on October 8th, the dawn broke rainy and miserable. The winds became unpredictable. We were two weeks out already on the voyage before we heard of the tropical depression starting off of uh, Central America. Not much preparation for the storm that everyone knows is coming. It's just a watch and wait and see. And there are a lot of people watching and waiting here this afternoon. We can see the skies darkening overhead. Hurricane Raymond was coming. You guys were monitoring it. You were tracking it. You were doing all the right things. I had never been in anything like that. I didn't know really what to expect. And I asked, I said, should, you know, should we be worried? And, and he says, well, we're, we're going to get as far away from it as possible. We packed on all sail to try to get out of its way. We had things that were on deck and we made sure everything was secure, got everything down below as much as possible, you know, getting ready for whatever was to come. It's almost impossible to know, especially with something, you know, a system that massive, what you know, what to expect. On October 11th, Tropical Storm Raymond was classified as Hurricane Raymond. That meant the winds were now traveling at 75 miles an hour. When the hurricane actually got to us and we were in the worst of it, the seas and the, the wind and all were coming from the same direction. It just seemed like we were able to handle it. We had no sails up. We were under what they call bear poles. And we were coming up and over these massive giant waves and falling off the backside of them. The waves, like I said, were coming out of the same general direction and then almost perpendicular to the sets is a wave coming from a kind of a different angle and it would kind of connect together and, and form these pockets. The storm was so bad that Richard told Tammy to go down below. They were screaming at each other because it was so loud out there. They kept repeating themselves over the sound of the waves. He says... Yes, we're about in the worst of it, most likely. We're going to tell our grandchildren about this. And so then he said, you go below. And he gave me the little chin thing, go below. And I remember standing there in the the companion way as I was closing the hatch to go below and just seeing his bright blue eyes, you know, with that that yellow foul weather gear he had on. And I had enough time to attach my safety harness onto the table. And then I heard him scream, oh, my God. And I felt the boat just fall out from underneath me. And I heard this big slap against the side of the hull. And all I can remember is just holding my head and the whole boat capsizing, going over. And then the next thing I know is I was knocked unconscious. Hey guys, Joe here. This episode of Committed is brought to you by my brand new novel, The Sicilian Inheritance. This is honestly the best book that I've ever written. I love it so much. 
The Sicilian Inheritance is a twisty, turny family murder mystery set on the beautiful and sometimes dangerous island of Sicily. And it's incredibly personal. It's loosely based on the real-life murder of my great-great-grandmother, Lorenza Marsala. The Sicilian Inheritance comes out on April 2nd, but it is available for pre-order right now wherever you get your books. And if you pre-order and email me your receipt to joe.piazza at gmail.com or DM me at Instagram, I will give you a free lifetime subscription to our newsletter Over the Influence. We'll be posting exclusive pictures, videos, and show transcripts for the very new season of Committed coming out in February. So pre-order The Sicilian Inheritance today. I promise you it's going to be your new favorite book. Being knocked out like that and then waking up to this, Lord knows how many times the boat rolled over. I mean, I think the boat, I know the boat rolled capsized 360 once, but I think the boat also went end over end. I went right to the cockpit to try to find Richard. And so I crawled out and I saw his safety out over the side of the boat, still attached to the cleat in the cockpit. And I just pulled up on that line and he was not on the other end. I freaked out. I just started screaming and yelling his name and wondering where he was. I got the binoculars and I just got up on deck and started searching for him. But she couldn't see him. I believe it was in the first roll that Richard was, the harness broke. And then the boat would have just been, you know, still in the hurricane for hours. I mean, those systems don't, don't just leave in, you know, in a couple hours. There's wind and waves for, you know, many hours. Is there anything that you wish you'd said to Richard before you went under? I wish I had said I love you more than anything in the world. (laughs) You know, I wish I knew. I mean, he knew that. He knew that. But I just wish I'd said it out loud. But I didn't know that was going to be the last time I'd ever see him. You know, we were just, it was just a sever. It was just, you know, I, there, he was there one minute and then the next minute I'm waking, I'm waking up and he's not there. And so I, I don't have any regrets, but I, I just, I wish I had, um, said out loud that, you know, that I loved him. Tammy couldn't move the boat. The engines were fried, the masts were ripped out. She was basically a floating piece of fiberglass. And I thought I was sinking. I thought the boat was sinking because there was so much water in it. I had lost a lot of blood, I, I, and I was just super weak and, of course, in shock. And I just laid in fetal position, just shaking violently shaking and fell asleep. I just went into kind of a deep sleep. We've never done an episode with just one person. And here Tammy is, alone on the boat. This is her story. But in a way, she wasn't alone. Richard was there. Or at least his voice was there. Make a plan to get to land. You should finish what you started. Make a plan to get to land. You'll be okay. You'll make it. I believe that the voice was him. And I talked to him all the time. I had all of his clothes around me. I had his guitar. I would talk to him constantly. And I would hear him 
would hear his voice talking to me. I mean, he was just, I just felt his presence with me the whole time. I felt that from him. I felt his love for me wanted me to survive, wanted me to continue on, to, to have a life, even though it was going to be without him. The voice told Tammy to eat, and even though she didn't want to, she did it. Of course, I had no way to cook, and uh, a lot of things got ruined. I did get a duffel bag full of canned goods. The voice was sometimes kind, sometimes demanding, sometimes sarcastic, but it always kept her going. There would be times when I, his, not just the voice, but his presence would be so thick in the air. You know, I could just feel him there with me. And there was a lot to tend to over, you know, a period of days. And he wanted me to survive. The survival instinct in, you know, in yourself is very, very strong. For me, it became, I was very focused. I knew um, that I had to get the boat moving. If I was going to survive, because uh, there was no one coming out there after me. I mean, nobody, first of all, the may, I couldn't, you know, we got Maydays out, but I never had any response on the radio. Um, and so we were smack dab right in the middle of the Pacific Ocean, and it is a huge ocean. If anything was going to happen, I had to make it happen. I had to save myself. So the major thing was to get the boat moving and have some kind of steerage so that um, I could, you know, point the boat in the right direction. And I had dabbled in celestial navigation. Tammy had dabbled in celestial navigation before this trip, mostly just for fun. That's using the sun, the moon, and the stars to figure out your position on the globe and then map a path. I wasn't a master navigator by any means, but um, I got real good real quick when it, it meant my life was on the line. I rigged the little sail. I knew enough about Celestial that I could navigate by latitude because I didn't have my watch. So I knew my latitude and longitude. And I decided, you know, obviously I had to head to Hawaii. That was the only direction I could go because it was downwind. At that point, Hawaii was at least 1,500 miles away. Hawaii is such a small speck in the grand scheme of the Pacific Ocean. It's so small. Totally, yeah. I really had to keep focused and keep myself um, on top of, uh, you know, navigation and and trying not to miss that island. Because, you know, if I did, I, you know, I would have been, I would die. Could you let yourself grieve while you were in survival mode? Or would it have taken up this precious energy that you had to use just to stay alive at that point? I didn't grieve as much. really felt the switch, the dynamics of it when the survival was over. The survival instinct just kept me on track. And I was so focused. My mind was so focused on saving myself and getting myself there. And but I mean, of course, I would, you know, I would cry, grieve. I, I would, I missed him so much. I felt him there, but, you know, I just missed his physical form. And like I said, I had to have a stern talk with myself about not crying. I just had to stop crying. Yeah, you, you can't waste that water. No, I couldn't waste the water. Canned goods were getting very limited. You know, you can drink fish blood and things like that. But, it's, you know, I tell you, when you can't have it, 
that's when you want it. <laughs> Especially being out there in this, you know, that sun all day. The heat and the dehydration is just uh, really plays on you. There were days when Tammy didn't think that she'd make it. And she didn't know how much longer she could keep trying to make it. At one point, Tammy found a vial of morphine in a broken medical kit. She stared at it. She considered using it. Then came the voice. No, Tammy. Don't even think about it. She talked back to the voice and said maybe she wished that she had been the one that had gone overboard. Because the not knowing if she was going to survive was a special kind of hell. He replied to her. I know. But you have to keep going. It was what she needed to hear, and she kept going. She just kept doing everything that she needed to do to stay alive and try to hit those tiny islands. She talked to the voice again that night before she drifted off to sleep. Good night, love, she murmured. Good night yourself, love. Tammy survived alone for 40 days on that boat before she saw land. She saw it, and then it was gone. And I couldn't see it anymore. And just about that time, I saw a low-flying military aircraft come over, and I shot off a flare to it, and it didn't see me. I just went mental. I was so exhausted, mentally unstable. And I remember him, I remember the voice. Well, I, I wanted to kill myself because I thought I was already dead, and I was just the spirit floating out there on this boat, and I wanted to end it. And they had a rifle on board, and I was about ready to take my life with the rifle. And his voice, Richard's voice, came in and said, You're almost there. You're almost there. Go back up. Go back and look at The island is there. So I did. I threw the rifle down, and I went back up top. And there enough, the clouds had cleared. The island was, you know, not right in front of me, but it was on the distance, on the horizon. I could see it. And I was just like, wow, I am just, I mean, you know, I'm, thank God he's with me here, you know. It was on day 41 that she finally reached the entrance to Hilo Harbor. Couldn't go in because there's a long reef called Blonde Reef and it, it, there's a long entrance into the harbor. So I just, I just took the sail down and just drifted out in front of the harbor off a little ways just and I always wondered who would be my first contact I always thought I would <laughs> it would be a fisherman that I would see but it ended up being a, it was a research vessel a very large research vessel coming out of Hilo and you know that's when really I started spiraling once the survival part was over that's when the grief just really started, you know, taking over and being so sad that he wasn't there to be back to civilization again and seeing young couples together and that kind of thing. Oh my gosh, that's when things, when I really, my grief. Yeah. We're going to take a quick break here. And when we get back, we'll talk about how Tammy rebuilt her life without Richard. Hey guys, Joe here. This episode of Committed is brought to you by my brand new novel, The Sicilian Inheritance. 
This is honestly the best book that I've ever written. I love it so much. The Sicilian Inheritance is a twisty, turny family murder mystery set on the beautiful and sometimes dangerous island of Sicily. And it's incredibly personal. It's loosely based on the real-life murder of my great-great-grandmother, Lorenza Marsala. The Sicilian Inheritance comes out on April 2nd, but it is available for pre-order right now wherever you get your books. And if you pre-order and email me your receipt to joe.piazza at gmail.com or DM me at Instagram, I will give you a free lifetime subscription to our newsletter Over the Influence. We'll be posting exclusive pictures, videos, and show transcripts for the very new season of Committed coming out in February. So pre-order The Sicilian Inheritance today. I promise you it's going to be your new favorite book. It's very hard to get over that my life changed so much just in those, in that in that one day, in that one 24-hour period, my life changed forever. Tammy had survived 41 days alone at sea and traveled more than 1,500 miles with a severe head injury. It took her years to heal. Couldn't read a book for nearly five years. My thought processes processing through my brain to my mouth was, I mean, it just, it took me some time to, to get over the jarring of my brain. I, I didn't ever think I was going to love again. I mean, when you love that deeply and, and, and lose someone in that kind of way, you just think you're never going to love again. You did cross the ocean again, though, as a captain. After the accident, I went back to sea for 10 years and um, I got my captain's license and I sailed on research vessels and schooners. And Tammy did end up falling in love again. How'd you meet your husband? I live in Washington State and he was in construction. He's a contractor, builds custom homes. And I had a, a yacht maintenance business here. And so... We really never had seen each other um, because we worked in two different worlds. But then we met through a mutual friend. Did he know prior to meeting you what you'd been through? No, he didn't know anything about uh, my story. But when I told him about it, of course, when I tell anybody about it, (laughs) they're always shocked. They don't know quite what to say. I know. It's that's a biggie. It's a big one. It really is. He has a lot of characters, like characteristics, I think, uh, that Richard had. He's funny. He keeps me laughing. And he's very loving and, and very caring of my emotions, you know, as far as that. Uh, and, and since we've been married 26 years now, he's had to hear this story over and over again. Tammy wrote a memoir about her time on the boat, and she self-published it under the title Red Sky in Morning." It took four years to write that book while we were having our children. This past summer, Tammy's story was turned into a movie called Adrift, starring Shailene Woodley and Sam Claflin. We're thousands of miles from land. We're not in any flight paths. That's like a 1,500 square mile search area. A needle in a blue haystack. Is anybody there? I saw it two or three times before the actual big premiere that, you know, in Hollywood. It's been super emotional. 
the very first time I saw it, I was just, I don't know, I just wept, you know, but my life has moved on. So I can kind of look at it somewhat of a third party, kind of an outsider looking in, but it is amazing that I got through that. It's more than amazing that you got through that. What did your husband think the first time that he saw the movie? Well, we both cried together, but he was, um, you know, he's very proud and, and he's my rock. What were the most emotional scenes for you to watch? I loved watching the love story between us. I love that. That's, he says that sounds incredibly cheesy, you know, because that was sometimes Richard had just had, he was a romanticist, you know, he loved being romantic. When did the voice finally stop talking to you? I think after I thought I was going to kill myself, after I saw the land and could get going. You know, when he said to me, when the voice said, go up top, see, it's out there, it's out there. That's that's the last time I believe I heard it. Did you miss it? Yeah, I miss it. There have been several times on shore that I have felt his presence. You know, the, I don't know, there's just something about all of a sudden, I feel like he's here with me. It hasn't happened in a long time, but there's there was been a couple of times when I felt the air really thick around me, you know, and, and I just know he was there. And I and I'll tell I'll say, I know you're here with me. I know. Tammy's story is obviously a survival story. 41 days alone on that boat. I won't even go out for a three-hour tour after watching Gilligan's Island. And yet it's also a story about taking the things that happen to you and letting them make you stronger. Owning them and moving on. Tammy didn't have to sail again. She didn't have to fall in love again, but she chose to. Richard was brave for what he did to save Tammy's life. And Tammy is brave for moving on and having the life that Richard would have wanted her to have. This episode was hosted and reported by Joe Piazza. Special thanks to Tammy Oldham Ashcroft. It was produced and edited by Ramsey Yunt and Tyler Kling with mixing by Tristan McNeil. The executive producers are Joe Piazza, Mangesh Hatikater, and Will Pearson. Theme song and music by Tristan McNeil. With thanks to Jonathan Strickland for providing the voice of Richard Sharp. For comments, suggestions, or to be part of the show, give us a call at 404-996-1173. That's... 404-996-1173. You can grab a copy of Joe's new book, Charlotte Walsh Likes to Win, on Amazon or wherever books are sold. Committed with Joe Piazza has been a production of the House Stuff Works family, produced in our studios located in Atlanta, Georgia. Hey, guys. Joe here. 
This episode of Committed is brought to you by my brand new novel, The Sicilian Inheritance. This is honestly the best book that I've ever written. I love it so much. The Sicilian Inheritance is a twisty, turny family murder mystery set on the beautiful and sometimes dangerous island of Sicily. And it's incredibly personal. It's loosely based on the real-life murder of my great-great-grandmother, Lorenza Marsala. The Sicilian Inheritance comes out on April 2nd, but it is available for pre-order right now wherever you get your books. And if you pre-order and email me your receipt to joe.piazza at gmail.com or DM me at Instagram, I will give you a free lifetime subscription to our newsletter Over the Influence. We'll be posting exclusive pictures, videos, and show transcripts for the very new season of Committed coming out in February. So pre-order The Sicilian Inheritance today. I promise you it's going to be your new favorite book.